want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You're listening to The Grizz Podcast. Our mission is to guide, encourage, and equip you on your journey with Christ. It's time for you to rise up, honor God, and live manly. Now here's our host, Jason George. Yo, yo, what's going down on my brothers from other mothers? Thanks for taking time to tune in, listen to The Grizz Today is Friday, October 6, 2023, when I'm putting all this together. For this episode, dude, got a treat for you. My good buddy, Matt Dobshoots, from over at the Porn Free Radio podcast, he's filling in for me. I've been dealing with some health challenges that really need my attention this week, maybe next week, we'll see. I'm hitting another dark valley along the climb, but I trust that God's going to get me through. He always has, he always will. I'm trying to finish up some work for a graduate course I'm taking as well. So when I do have time to get some work done, I'm doing that. Also working on a new climb team that's forming next week on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern. If you're interested in joining that, go to our website, click on the climb team page and fill out the short online application. I will review it and see if we're a good fit for one another. Don't wait, though. Space is limited. And I'm not just saying that, dude. Uh, That's not a sales technique for me like it is for some people. Um, It's the truth. I will only allow eight guys per climb team so that climb teams remain personal and manageable. Our Monday and Thursday night climb teams are now at capacity. And man, I praise God for that. I praise God For Christian dudes showing up week after week, seeking support and accountability and guidance for their struggle with porn and other unwanted sexual behaviors. It is encouraging to see Christian guys addressing, admitting the sin in their life and working to make godly changes and helping each other do the same. You know what I mean? Anyway, all that to say, I just haven't had time to work on the podcast this week. My health issues have taken up the majority of my time this week, so I appreciate your prayer for that. Hope to be back at you soon with some more helpful content and crazy grizz humor to make you laugh a little bit. But this right here, this is a good episode. The Dauber talks about some of his own story with porn addiction, recovery work, and the importance of understanding the sufficiency of God's grace through all of it. I really appreciate the Dauber coming through last minute and covering for the Grizz. means a lot. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Porn Free Radio podcast. That's one of the podcasts that I listen to every single week. I've done it for many years. The Dauber is dropping some helpful content. And if you haven't gotten a copy of his book, Porn Free, you need to do that. There's an Amazon link in the show notes. Enough said. Let's get at it with the Dauber. 
Now, I'd just like to introduce y'all to the man, the myth, the legend, the MVP frontrunner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo woo. Matt Dom shoots. In the flesh. Yes, sir. Well, hey, this is Matt Dobschutz from the Porn Free Radio Podcast, sitting in for Jason George the Grizz, and he asked me to sit in today and just share something about my story, and, um, you know, I get to do a lot of episodes on Porn Free Radio, obviously, about recovery from porn, but, you know, Porn Free Radio has a very general audience, and one of my approaches to... Porn Free Radio is a common grace approach, meaning I think most people who listen to Porn Free Radio, men in particular, would benefit from eliminating porn from their lives. And I don't make a distinction between Christian men and non-believers. And the reason why is I think that a non-believer would still benefit from not being dependent to porn. It's going to be better for his marriage. It's going to be better for his kids. It's going to be better for the people he works with. Uh, It's going to be better for him. And ultimately, I think that recovery is a restoration process of what God intends for all of us as being made in his image. And I'm hoping that as some guys get restored, that they'll start looking at some of the deeper needs that are driving even some of their behaviors um, and finding the true source of living water in Jesus as, as the, the real, you know, uh, person who's going to meet their deepest needs and longings. Um, and I think it actually goes beyond just sort of sexual satisfaction. Um, I think one of the <clears throat> One of the challenges we have even as Christians is seeing as porn struggle as just a sexual struggle, a struggle of like flesh and temptation. And, and I think it's why sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on modesty or emphasis on what women dress, how women dress, or we, we, uh, as men, we put a lot of, um, uh, emphasis on external things that are dragging us into sin. And it's this real in- externalizing of sort of a sexual way of looking at things. And yet I think one of the big things that porn tries to give us is, is a sense of intimacy, uh, a sense of being known, a sense of um, being special, um, I mean, obviously, there's all different types of porn, and it it caters to all sorts of both deviant and and sinful types of desires. But I do think um, there's a really primal desire that's released in porn of intimacy, of of power and control, and um, and it's cemented. You know, these stimulating images are cemented with the very powerful feelings of orgasm. And, um, and so that's why the habit is so difficult because there's, there's these needs that are being sort of diffused or trying to be, we're trying to meet in porn. 
And at the same time, there's this habit, and then there's this very powerful cocktail of, of um, dopamine, of um, what's the other thing, oxytocin, and then the whatever the feelings of orgasm are. Um, you know, I, I heard recently, I was talking to my therapist about this, and he said that, um, did you know that the oxytocin, that, that uh, is released in... Um, in orgasm is a, a similar chemical that that same chemical is released when a baby is nursing that there's this sense of love and connection in that you know or that sort of um in that release of oxytocin and I go how powerful is that this idea that that we're wired when we receive nurture from our mothers to have this this thing sort of release in our brain to make us feel good and safe. And that's the same thing that happens in orgasm. Now, obviously, God's designed us uh, to have orgasm and have that connection in the intimacy of, of you know, covenantal Christian marriage. Um, and, you know, one of the, I think one of the things that porn does is it hijacks that, but there's still that that release there's that release and so it it's really easy to get dependent on that feeling and get dependent on some of the needs that porn tries to meet and um and i think that's where a real challenge is for believers is because we are trying to actually get legitimate needs met through porn but if we only see it as this external battle, I know I know Jason George loves the battle, the battle plan and the battle uh, metaphor, and I get it. I get the the need to man up and all that kind of stuff. But if we externalize the battle too much, if we make the battle all about this sort of cunning enemy that porn is for us and sexuality and women and their bodies and the way they dress, if we make it all external, if we make it all about the battle, um, we end up feeling, we end up rejecting our own needs. We end up making enemies out of our legitimate needs. And that's a danger. And I think it's a, a particular danger uh, for Christian guys. Um, you know, some of the guys I work with who are not believers uh, if I talk to them about their needs and their feelings and their wounds, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I do. I am trying to get that need met through porn. Um, they're not seeing porn as a moral failure. They're not seeing porn as a, as a cunning temptation. They're seeing it as like, oh, I'm substituting this unskillful thing, this thing that doesn't really meet my needs for trying to meet my needs. Like they kind of get it real quick. But Christian guys, it's harder to see our needs between this whole idea of the, the battle and all the, the temptation and that kind of stuff. So I thought I would share a little bit about my story of recovery. And I've shared this a little bit on Porn Free Radio, but I'll go a little deeper here. Um, when I got caught by my wife downloading porn, I, I honestly didn't know anything about needs. I didn't know why I was looking at porn. I felt essentially like just controlled by my, by my lust. 
And so I would have easily fallen into the category of thinking, well, this is an external problem. Uh, porn is the enemy. Porn is this thing that's trying to, that's ensnared me. And I'm just kind of this lustful creature. That's, that's kind of how I would have saw it. And when I tried to explain it to my wife, why I was using porn and why I was going to it, I didn't even know why I was using it. it so I just felt like a real disgusting second-class Christian who couldn't somehow find the self-control he needed to deal with lust. And so I white knuckled, I made promises, I did all sorts of things, and I still struggled. I, I, I wasn't getting free. Um, and it was interesting, about 30 days after she caught me, you know, I had actually been clean. I was so scared I was going to blow up my marriage um, that she went out of town. And she went out of town, and I gave her my modem, and I tried to make a plan. Back then, I didn't have a lot of, a, a lot of tools, so it was a really crappy plan. And... Uh, um, and you know, she's gone for a couple days. She flied to, she flew to San Francisco and the first night she was gone, uh, I try to keep myself busy and I try to do stuff and I met a friend for dinner and I watched a movie. But of course about midnight, my brain starts thinking, my wife's not here, you know, maybe I should try and act out. And I went and found a modem down in the basement and I you know, took a couple hours. It was broken. I took a couple hours to fix it and get the right drivers. And all of a sudden I got it working. And that really scared me because I had made this commitment to not log on to the computer or to get on the internet. And here I was logging back in. And, um, and that story I tell in, in my book, Porn Free, you know, what ends up happening is I, in a moment of sort of conviction, I rip out the modem and I destroy the modem. And then have what I can only describe as some sort of spiritual encounter uh, where I felt like there was a dark presence in my apartment. And I was hanging on to, to dear life. I actually called my wife crying. I was so scared. And she actually told me to go to my, my sister and brother-in-law's house um, to just stay safe that night. And I did. And when, when my brother-in-law and I came back the next night, the house was fine. There was no problem. There was nothing there. He prayed for, for me. And, um, um, and, um, what I'm going to say that that's interesting is that night I realized I really need to take this seriously and I need help. And I knew of only one group I could go to at the time. I had never heard of any of these 12 step groups. Um, I didn't know anyone else who struggled with porn. Um, but there was a Christian discipleship program in the Chicago area called Redeem Lives. And they, um, they were led by a, a guy who had come out of homosexuality, uh, Mario Bergner. He had um, gotten saved and, and, and left um, his homosexual lifestyle, had become a, an Anglican priest, um, and he knew a lot about addiction. He had struggled with addiction. He had struggled with sexual sin. And uh, he had this program called Redeem Lives. And and I went to it, and there were lots of different people there. There were people there coming out of homosexuality or same-sex attraction. There were people coming out of sexual addiction, divorce. There were people who had been sexually abused as kids. It was just a real um, wide 
swath of people. And I was really the only one I, I think who was there struggling with porn. It was about 30 people in this group. And, um, but the interesting thing about Redeem Lives and the, the, the program was it was a Christian discipleship program. So the focus wasn't our addiction. It wasn't the battle. It wasn't uh, the different unique challenges we all brought in. The focus was the cross. And I remember very specifically, um, you know, Mario had the collar, you know, the, you know, he had a priestly collar and, and the focus of the cross was super important. Um, of, of essentially the cross is where Jesus defeats sin and where Jesus um, uh, conquers. <laughs> and the whole point of the program was to identify with Jesus and identify with Jesus's sufficiency for us, for everything in our life. Um, and, and that Jesus was our only hope to fully be restored from whatever we had gotten into. Um, but, but here's the interesting thing, right? The focus wasn't what we were coming out of. The focus was where we were going in him, in Jesus. And I remember just being excited by this. I remember getting a trickle of hope by this idea because I started thinking, I feel the lowest possible Christian right now. I've been lying to my wife. I've been doing this behavior I don't understand. It's lustful. It's sinful. I have all these, you know, I, I feel disgusting. I don't feel like I have anything to give here. I don't feel like I have a a way to crawl out of this hole by myself. And so the idea that Jesus was sufficient for me, that his sacrifice on the cross, that his um, resurrection power could come into my weakness was hopeful to me. It actually, it actually just, I really ran with that. And the idea of his grace um, being sufficient for me was so powerful in those early days because I didn't feel like I had anything to give. I didn't feel like I had any self-control. I didn't feel like I had um, even any ownership over this thing. It was just so... Um, uh, I just felt really lost. And so, so I loved that emphasis... And, um, and I remember somewhere in there, you know, one of the verses that I remember kind of, um, uh, wrestling with was second Corinthians 12, nine. And I was thinking about this last night and I'll tell you why, but, uh, it's, but he said to me, um, this is Paul writing, uh, but I think it's Jesus speaking to Paul, uh, or it is Jesus speaking to call yeah, yeah, this is Jesus speaking to Paul. Sorry, I, I, I printed this out, so I, I don't have my Bible right now. Um, so he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all more gladly of my weakness 
so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There's something in this verse that I think is applicable uh, to you today, just with the with the Grizz tribe. It's if you're struggling to get free from porn, um, you know, obviously there's tools you can use. There's community, there's, there's the you know, climb teams that Jason runs. There's all sorts of resources that you have. Um, and, and those tools can help you. I do think you can start to get free from the, um, from the kind of the, the external, uh, attachments that you have to porn. But I think everyone who struggles to get free, everyone who's struggling in recovery needs to wrestle with this verse. Is there any way that you are trying to be your own sufficiency? Is there any way that you're still hanging on to your self-sufficiency? Your self-dependence. Now, let me let me think of some examples of what this might look like. Um, a, a real simple one is you keep trying to will yourself to be porn-free. Uh, you keep um, uh, you keep sort of white-knuckling and resolving, but you're not willing uh, to take the steps to make yourself accountable to build a plan, uh, to work with others, to look bad, you're still hanging on to your sense of self-sufficiency in the sense of you want to recover on your own terms and look good doing it. I see guys all the time over-spiritualizing the battle, over-spiritualizing things. But in the in what they're trying to do is they're trying to look like they're competent, look like they figured it out. And the way that they share is even in a, in a, in a, I've already named it and claimed it and I'm good. Even though if you look deep, deeper, they are failing. They are not, they are not recovered. Um, they're more interested in the way they look, that they look like they're competent, that they look like they've overcome than actually overcoming. They're still dependent on themselves, their own performance, their own uh, sense of trying to recover on their own. Uh, I see this sometimes in groups. Um, I see a guy come in he knows he's supposed to be in a group. He knows he wants to be accountable. That's what he says externally. But then when you look at the way he lives his life, he's not making himself accountable at all. He's not creating commitments. He's not connecting with people. What he wants to do is come to group every week and check in that he had a clean week. And if he had a clean week, it's kind of like the, you know, the ends justify the means. If it was clean, I'm good. I don't need the group. And what happens is every once in a while, then he starts struggling and he doesn't know what to do because he's not developing any tools where he's depending on Jesus and his sufficiency 
and where he's looking for power to be made perfect in his weakness, he only, the only tool that he can figure out is I need to do this and I need to look good doing it. And so it's real, you know, and so sometimes those guys flame out a group. I see it all the time. I see a guy who comes in, they're overcoming for a couple of weeks and they're quoting Bible verses in their check-in and then they disappear. They ghost the group. And I, I think what happens is they realize there's this weakness here that's bigger than their competency and they don't want to look incompetent. They don't want to be weak. And, uh, and so they, so they disappear. They, 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 they withdraw from, from, from connection because if they stay in connection, they're going to be forced to look at their weakness and they know that. So they want to get out of that. They want, so they, they opt out. Did you know that 90% of boys and 70% of girls are exposed to pornography online? Meanwhile, 71% of kids say that they're hiding internet activity from their parents. In 56% of divorce cases today, a major contributing factor is one spouse's continued use of inappropriate content online. What are you doing to protect your family online? Covenant Eyes Internet Accountability monitors how the internet is used on your family's mobile devices and their computers. Each web page visited is rated similar to TV shows or video games, like T for teen or M for mature. This information is collected in easy-to-read reports, and as a parent, you can receive weekly reports for your kids. Plus, you can invite your friends to receive reports for your internet activity, which enables you to enjoy the benefits of accountability and protection online as well. These reports provide you with a comprehensive view of how the internet is used in your home. They include information like the videos that are watched and words typed into search engines. Are you looking for additional protection? Covenant Eyes also provides internet filtering, which blocks inappropriate content and limits the amount of time spent online. Install Covenant Eyes on all your devices, your computers, phones, and tablets. There's no extra charge, and we provide free customer support. It's that simple. Sign up today. It's your turn to protect yourself and your family online. You know, another way that you can look at, are you trying to be your own sufficiency? It's reserving the right to take care of the need, take care of your needs in the way that you want. Um, this is where you hang on to some devices or you hang on to a, a platform that you've acted out with and you're kind of keeping this back door in case things get really hard. I've seen this guys, guys come to group and they're, they're like, they tell you a story about how they were really stressed out this week, so they acted out. And what I hear in that story is things got bad enough and I kept this back door. I reserved the right to act out, to take care of myself and to take care of my needs in, in a self-focused, self-dependent way. And I don't want to give up my ability to meet my needs in this way. That's why I'm hanging on to my smartphone and hanging on to not having any restrictions on it. And that's why I'm hanging on to these platforms that have caused me to, or not caused me, that, that I've, I've actively engaged uh, to, to escape and to, to use porn and to, to, to 
to act out with. Um, that's why I'm hanging on to those things. I reserve the right to meet my needs. That is a way that you are still staying self-sufficient. Here's something that's a real zinger. How about the guy who comes to group and, and is super humble? He's so convicted by his sin and he just tells a story about he's the worst of all sinners and he just he beats himself up and, and the group is almost coming to his aid saying, you're not that bad, you know, um, um, you know, you're not that bad. You, you, they're almost trying to like trying to encourage him, which is, I, I understand why we want to do that. But he is um, going from sort of this self-dependence in his acting out to now this ultimate self-rejection. He's not work walking in his identity in Christ. It's not a humble identity. He's literally condemning himself. And he's saying he's so bad off that he is unfixable. He's unsavable, um, unrescuable. So, and, and I think that's what we do. We vacillate sometimes between those two. We, we vacillate from um, sort of heading 100 miles an hour towards porn to try to meet our needs in a self-focused, self-dependent way. And then we go 100 miles an hour to, to shame and humiliation um, and self-rejection. And I don't think Jesus wants that. For, uh, he doesn't want either of those outcomes for us. What does he want? He wants grace. He wants that grace that he has to be sufficient. It's, it's in the middle. It's not... 100 miles an hour towards shame or 100 miles an hour towards licentiousness and just throwing all caution to the wind and just going to porn. It is staying in that uncomfortable place of weakness and receiving grace and accepting grace. It's that third way. It's in the middle. And, you know, when we struggle with addiction, we're we're really in all or nothing, right? We're all in when we go into porn and then we we're when then we go all to nothing you know we 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 just go down to zero and we're beating ourselves up and we're we're telling ourselves we're hopeless um, and we go back and we vacillate between those two extremes but my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness there's a there's a resting point where we have to accept our weakness and that Christ is sufficient for us in that weakness. And um, the reason I was thinking about this last night is I was struggling. Uh, I have been having some trouble sleeping and breathing, and I was diagnosed with some sleep apnea. And I had to get one of those masks, you know, where the the CPAP mask. And and I have a lot of shame about this. Um, you know, my, my weight's gone up over the last year. I've had trouble sleeping. I've had trouble keeping uh, you know, up to date on my exercise. And I don't know, somehow putting on this mask, it's very uncomfortable. I felt vulnerable. I, I'm kind of scared. Am I going to be able to do this? I, as it was, I... I had the mask on for five hours last night. 
Um, I only slept three of those hours. Two of those hours, I was completely awake with the mask on and um, was just kind of miserable. And I did, that's three hours I did sleep okay. But um, but while I was, the the guy who fitted me for the mask said, hey, you know, when you go to sleep, um, you know, maybe have some music and listen to some music as a way to sort of calm down and, and relax. Um, and so I was listening to, I don't, honestly, I'm not a guy who listens to a lot of Christian music. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of a defect <laughs> with me. Um, but I have really enjoyed a group called Maverick City over the last couple of years. It's kind of worship gospel. And uh, so I'm listening to them last night and they have a um, a new song or something. And or, or, I don't know how new the song is, but they, they had a new recording of the song that came into my um, headphones. And uh, I was struck by these words, and it's it's kind of along this line about sufficiency. So I'm going to play just a, a little clip of this, and I'm going to make a comment about it. So uh, this is Tasha, I think her name is Tasha um, Cobbs Lennard, who's singing uh, in this in this one passage here. She's a famous singer. So here, let me play it. The, the line that got me, it, it actually brought a tear to my eye as I had the mask on, is how did I start to believe you weren't sufficient for me? And um, I'm even a little, just, I'm not going to cry right now, but I, I, I'm feeling a little of that feeling of maybe I've been telling myself a story that I'm hopeless, that I'm, I've struggled with my weight my whole life. And I'm still struggling with it. And even though I've had a lot of freedom with pornography and that was such a life-defining challenge for me, I still (laughs) am confronted with my weakness and my vulnerability and the pain of my incompetence just with, with my weight and with my health and, um, and maybe I was even telling myself a story about self-rejection, you know, 
Um, and I'm trying to, and I'm vacillating between overeating and not taking care of myself and then, and then rejecting myself. And what does Jesus say? My grace is sufficient for you. And so when did I start to believe that he wasn't sufficient for me? When did I start indulging that belief? We indulge that belief when we are self-dependent, when we care more about how we look, uh, where we want to look competent, where we want to look like we have it together. Uh, We're invested in trying to be sufficient. Um, And I I think that is the danger in recovery for for guys. If, If you're a believer... The, the real danger is, is um, making it all about you and your performance. And, um, and I think when Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, he, he's not just saying it, it's sufficient for your lust or your temptation. He's saying it's, it's sufficient for your wounds, your pain, your incompetence, um, your pride, it's sufficient for all of those areas where we depend on ourselves or where we tell ourselves a story that we're, we're in control. And that, I mean, that's really the Christian life, right? It's accepting grace that we don't deserve grace, that it's a free gift. We did not earn it. And we're not earning our we're not earning grace in our performance in recovery. If anything, recovery is the restoration of Jesus as the one who is the need the need uh, fulfiller in our lives. He's rightly taking his place back as the one who helps us meet our needs. I'll finish with this one idea. Um, we, um, we are addicted many times when we have a porn struggle to an acceptable image. We're addicted to the acceptable images or the images that, that, um, uh, arouse us and stimulate us in our porn, you know, the things we're actually going to, you know, we sort of make idols out of those things. It's, it's that acceptable image. If, if I'm, if I'm going to porn, I'm, 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 I'm wanting to use porn as a way for me to feel good. I'm going to use this acceptable image, this pretty girl or you know, two women, you know, because two women is better than one woman, you know, or some other fantasy, some outrageous fantasy as a way to make myself feel acceptable, to feel good enough. So we, we, we go to that acceptable image. And at the same time, in our striving to look good and to, to have other people like us, um, we hide anything that we find unacceptable. So we're obsessed with an external acceptable image that's going to make us feel good and feel acceptable, and we hide anything we see as unacceptable. 
And so the second part of this, this challenge in this verse is, my grace is made sufficient for you, for your power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we're, we're invested a lot of times in being our own sufficiency. And then we're also invested in not boasting about our weakness, not being open about our weakness, but hiding our weakness, hiding anything we find unacceptable, wounds, pain, sin, things we don't know, things where we don't feel good about ourselves. You know, and we, and we hide that by trying to look good, by trying to, to look like we have it together. So that's the second challenge of that verse. It's like, not only do we need to, to, to find Christ's sufficiency in this challenge and kind of settle into that place and be content in that place, but we also have to change our relationship with weakness and not see it as something that we hide from our brothers and hide from the people in our lives who God has put in our lives to help us, to help support us. I think God wants to meet our needs, but he has a real design in us that a lot of our needs are met through our community. He meets our needs, um, but I think community is how our needs get met too. It was interesting, I was speaking at my church a few years ago, And I was trying to be really open about my weakness, and I was trying to be open about how I've found grace, um, Jesus's grace to be sufficient for me in this struggle. And I thought it was a great teaching. No no offense. I mean, that sounds prideful, but I I thought it was good. I thought I really did a good job kind of towing the line between putting the focus on Christ and what he's done, and then my response in that and, and, and where I, you know, ended up. And someone, an older guy, you know, who carried his Bible to the meeting, um, pulled me aside and he said, I I really think what you're doing is wrong. And I'm like, what? Helping guys quit porn and talk about my struggle and testimony, that's wrong? And he said, yeah, I I think this is kind of an area, this sexual area, this lust area, it's something that God needs to, um, to just deal with you on a private level. And I think it's, um, I think it's inappropriate of you to talk about this and to, um, you know, share your struggles. And I think it's going to tempt people and pull them into sin and like hit all this stuff. And, and I think, um, somehow he got it in his mind, um, that, God was going to meet all our needs, and we didn't need other people uh, to hear about our weakness. We didn't need other people to be restored. And that, and in a way that this, this sort of openness about weakness would be actually harmful. And I think some of us, whether we say that outwardly or not, that's how we live. We live with this idea of oh, if I'm really honest about this, I'm going to hurt my wife. Or if I'm really honest about this, I'm going to let my group down. And we'd rather hide our weakness than really lean in to 
Christ's sufficiency in our weakness and be open about it and to really start to do the hard work of not looking good, <laughs> of not being competent, not being seen as that, that leader, but being seen as someone who's ultimately dependent on Jesus for Jesus's power to be made perfect in his weakness. So where am I at with this? Well, I'm struggling. I'm still struggling with my weight. I'm still struggling with this physical challenge that I have. Um, and you know, there's, there's, I'm getting support from, uh, from my counselor, who's a good Christian dude. Um, I'm getting support from my wife. I have some other friends helping me. I'm trying to pursue all my doctor's appointments and not uh, take all my medicine. And uh, so one of the things I'm praying is that this CPAP will help me get better sleep, which will give me more energy and will help me make better choices with my exercise and things like that. And it's one of the steps. There's other steps that I'm pursuing, but that's one of the steps. And it's hard. I, I, <clears throat> I got to be honest, I'm not excited about it. And I am feeling very weak. So, so that's where I was at today. Um, and uh, that's what I wanted to share. And I know, you know, Jason, one of the, I don't know if Jason would say this or not, but I think one of the gifts of his Lyme disease, and, and I'm not saying there's a lot of gifts to it because it's, it's painful, is Jason is forced to, to, to find his sufficiency in Christ on a regular basis because it's hard. It's hard dealing with a life-defining illness because you're reminded of your vulnerableness. You're reminded of your weakness. And, um, and so that's why, that's one of the reasons that I trust Jason. I trust his teaching because I know that he is continually coming to Jesus for sufficiency and he is not hiding weakness. He is, he's a, um, you know, I, uh, I love the, the phrase, never trust a pastor without a limp. And Jason is really good at sort of uh, airing out his weakness in a healthy way where he's like, this is what's really real for me. And uh, that's one of the reasons I love uh, supporting uh, the Grizz podcast and coming on here. And uh, it's one of the reasons that I think, um, you know, groups like his climb teams and things like that are worth investing in because we need places where we can show up and meet Jesus as the one who's sufficient for us, and we can also be open about our weakness. So that's it. That's my Grizz, uh, my Grizz run for today. Uh, I'm drinking a Coke Zero right now, and uh, I'm feeling good. And uh, boy, check out that Maverick City uh, group. Gosh, they're every song I've heard from them. There's been a couple of songs where I've almost cried just listening to them. Uh, it's a collective of sort of, it's like a sort of a, I think it's like a gospel super group. There's like, there's this guy Chandler Moore in there and um, there's a couple other people and they've all kind of come together as this collective. Sometimes they make music on their own. Sometimes they do stuff together. Um, but man, they're great. And I would, I'd play some more of it, but I don't, yeah, there's nothing playing right now. I was, I was going to play some on the way out, but, um, guys, as I say at the end of my podcast, take hope, take action. And, uh, 
And if you're a believer, you know that, uh, that the hope of Christ is in us. And, and so I just, that's my prayer for you that you'll, you'll, um, um, just settle on the fact that when Jesus says his grace is sufficient for you, it is, and that his power is made perfect in your weakness. And, uh, I pray that you would boast about your weakness and that, that more of Christ's power would be on you and in your recovery and in your life. Well, I sincerely hope this episode with the Dauber helped guide, encourage, and equip you on your journey with Christ. I love the question that he posed to all of us. In recovery, is there any way that you are trying to be your own sufficiency? Is there any way that you are trying to be your own sufficiency? Guys, I'm telling you the truth. We cannot do it without the help of God, His Word, and our brothers in Christ. That's God's design for recovery, sanctification, growth, healing, and a life of impact. Please take a moment, leave us a quick rating and review wherever you listen to the Grizz podcast. If this episode helped you, then copy the link and share it with a friend or a men's group or on social media. Also, if you're a regular listener, then please consider becoming one of our monthly supporters for as little as $10 or $20 per month. You can go to our Give page on our website to set that up, narrowtrail.com, or you can take your phone right now and text the word GIVE to 301-888-6860, 301-888-6860. I promise it's safe, it's secure, it's easy, and you can cancel it any time that you need to. Also, get Covenant Eyes monitoring software installed on all of your devices and on your kids' and teens' devices. Be proactive. Prevention, my brothers, it matters. Go to CovenantEyes.com and sign up. And when you're at checkout, use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, GRIZZIN, to get your first month completely free. Also, we have a closed Facebook group called the Grizz Tribe, if you want to be part of that. If you're interested in some one-on-one coaching or being part of one of our CLIMB teams, go to our website to learn more. And there are short online applications that you can fill out. Go to narrowtrail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll be back at you soon with another epic episode of Grizz. Until then, honor God and live manly. (laughs) 